This is your other brother's podcast. Welcome home, friends, to your other brother's podcast. We are a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the jewel of the Blue Ridge of Asheville, North Carolina, my name's Tom. So glad that you are here. We've got a back-to-back lineup from our last episode. Joining us from the other side of the state, the city of Oaks of Raleigh, it's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Tom. Good to see you again. There was such a drought, the joyless drought, as we referenced last time, and now Ryan's back once again. And joining us also once again from the handprint of God of mighty Michigan, it's our other brother, Ben. Hey, Tom, good to be back again. Good to have both of you guys here as we tie a bow, tie the knot, tie the bow. What are we tying here today? We are finishing, we're finishing our seven episode series on Yob's seven values. What a journey it's been, y'all. To start off 2023, kind of felt like a new shiny thing to do. Like, let's just kick off a new year by telling the world who we are, a little bit about who we are, these things that we believe, these things that we value. Uh, and I've had such a great time mixing and matching with our, our with our podcast crew members, our other brothers contributing to this effort. Um, and today we finish it all with discipleship, discipleship. Um, which I love. I mean, I'll share the history of it in a moment when we get there, but this value stirs up a lot in me when I when I look at the landscape of Yab, the journey that Yab has taken from 2015 to 2023 and hopefully m- much beyond. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. Um, it's funny because, you know, so we did kinship last episode. We're doing discipleship this episode. We recently did our Zoom call with the community on discipleship and shout out to Daniel, who he's been on the ConvoCast a few times. He's never been on the Yobcast yet, um, but he's been on the ConvoCast a few times. He contributes, he's, he blogs sometimes. He's a leader in our community. Um, never ceases to put a smile on my face, but on our Zoom call uh, with our European African contingent, because we have a Zoom call for just that side of the world now, um, which is really fun. If you live in that part of the world, we would love to have you. They're, they're super fun calls, um, but he, <laughs> He posted in the chat as we were talking about discipleship and kinship and friendship. Um, he posted this just like, he's so quick. I love, that's why I love about him. He's so quick. He posted in the chat, there are good ships and wood ships, ships that sail the sea, but the best ships are friendships. May they always be. I love that. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> I Googled it. Apparently it's an Irish proverb, everybody, an Irish proverb. So there you go. I'm going to get that like printed out and hung on my wall somewhere. That was just so great. <laughs> so yes, all the ships, we're talking about all the ships here today as we finish out, uh, as we finish out our series. I'm so excited. Are you guys, are you guys excited to take the ship out of Harbor today? Oh yes, definitely ready to set sail, hoist the flag, mm. all of those things. Yes, all the nautical metaphors. Mm-hmm. Ahoy. 
That's the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I hope I can just get one contribution from one of them, but that works. Grasp the wheel, brace the tiller. Ooh, I don't know what any of that is. That sounds very authoritative. Like you've seen you've seen some things on the high seas. I, I could spout more, but I'm just gonna go ahead and, and, and leave it there. You know, you're in Michigan, you're surrounded by lakes, like gigantic lakes. So you must have more knowledge of the sea than either Ryan or me. One of the things that Michigan has um, every few years is the Tall Ships Festival, where they will have ships come in. Um, I forget the name of the channel, but from the ocean, they'll travel up and actually over to the Great Lakes. And so you've got uh, tall masted ships, including, I think it was a replica of the Santa Maria. So the Nina the oh, Pinta, uh, the Santa Maria, you know, those three ships. So, yeah. Um, so I've gotten to see a few tall ships and walk around in them. It's kind of cool. Flashback to like fifth grade history class or something. I was like, Santa Maria, wait, I know that. What is that? And then Nina and Pinta got it, got the trifecta there. Very good. Well, you are very suitable for this episode. I'm glad I chose you to be on this episode. <laughs> Feel free y'all to sprinkle in your nautical, yeah, your nautical metaphors and images as we have this conversation today. Um, I also wanted to ask you guys, like, how, do you approve of the new webcam? The new webcam came yesterday and I no longer live in a fishbowl. So I, this is the first test run of the new webcam. I know our, our listeners can't, can't see it to confirm, but hopefully I look suitable to you. I can confirm. You've never looked better, Tom. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, you know, the fishbowl experience was fun for one time, but I did it with you guys last time on the episode. And then I also did it with, I think it was that discipleship Zoom call with the community. And it was just, I just felt so awkward the whole time. The way the, the way you could see my, into my closet over there. And I was like super big up front. It was just, it was too much. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. So we have, we have remedied the situation. Hopefully this webcam will last me. Uh, a few years, I got some good mileage out of the last mile out, out of the last webcam. So hopefully, this one uh, will get me will get me into the future as well, into the twenty twenty. Let's go twenty twenty seven. Let's try to get four years out of this. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we don't have any voicemails, but a big shout out again. Last time it was fun to to play not just one but two voicemails on our last episode. So. Um, so if anything that we say today on Deception or anything, if you have any thoughts on this whole values series, um, if anything comes up from what we talked about, are there values that we missed or are there like subtopics or subcategories of these values that you feel like we just totally missed that after coming to know Yab, whether you're on the patron side of things on Patreon or not, um, you know, if there's something that jumps out, I would be curious to hear if uh, if there's something that you feel like we we neglected to mention or dive into. I'm sure there is. Um, there, there certainly is. So I would love to hear just about that, about uh, things you enjoyed from the series, things that you may have uh, missed or thought were lacking. So feel free to call our Yab line at 1706-389-8009 or do as the listener did last time. Leave us a voice memo at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. That also would be amazing to receive from you guys. We have one review 
this, we had we did a review last time. We have another review to read this time, and I'm I'm excited for this one because as Ryan and Ben, I would love to get your thoughts on it as people who appear on this show frequently. This was not a five star review. This was a four star review, which we don't get many of those. It's 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 typically like the five, or we have a few ones or twos, I think, out there. Um, so the four one is interesting, and and he explains why it's a four, I, I think. So I'm gonna read it for you guys, and then I'd love to analyze it a little bit with you as well. Um, so this is from JJN. I love the I love the uh, the username. It's JJN MacBook Air. So he's letting everybody know he has a MacBook Air. Essentially, shout out to the MacBook MacBook Air guy. Um, his title was encouragement for this four star review. I've listened to Yab podcast and read its blogs for years. I've watched Tom as he matures in wisdom and openness. That's sweet. Uh, side B folks are a minority within a minority, so it's comforting to know that Yab offers a place for them to gather, to share their thoughts, feelings, and woes, and to grow in strength and wisdom together. One suggestion for improvement. The content seems to have become light on spiritual content, mutual encouragement in faith, and deeper men's work. Something to consider. Nevertheless, the work done is wonderful, and keep it up. So thank you. Thank you, JJN, for the honest feedback. I love it. I love giving us things to ponder and chew on and talk about. Any any reactions, any first reactions, Ryan or Ben, to, to the comments, to the feedback? They said it was lighter on spiritual content and deeper on men's work, as in as in uh, the internal work we were, were doing to grow as men. Is that the critique? Yes. So the cr critique is light on... I'll read it again, light on spiritual content, mutual encouragement and faith and deeper men's work. So all three of those areas. So light on men's work as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, light on, light on, it's a little confusing, light on deeper men's work. So like going deeper, he thinks he thinks we could stand to go uh, deeper essentially. Uh, uh, yeah. Men's work, which is kind of this, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term. Ben, maybe you, I mean, Ryan, I don't know what Ryan's familiar with. Ben, I don't know, you're in like counseling, in the counseling world, like, would you be able to put a definition on men's work? Is that something that you feel qualified to do? Because <laughs> I could, I could grab some words out of the air because I've done some men's work, but I don't know if you could, if if that's something that's like more at the ready for you. I'm yielding to you first. Go for it. What what, what do you think men's work is, Tom? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Men's work. I think it's like examining past traumas, examining childhoods, family upbringings. Um, examining unprocessed feelings. Um, I think we're I think we're starting to get it together. I've done different like groups. Like Ben, you and I actually did this group in in Michigan. Shout out! Was that in Michigan? Yeah, it was in Michigan. <laughs> we did this group in Michigan a few years ago, and like their their big thing is doing men's work. So like getting you in small groups and like talking about your struggles, your feelings. Which like I think on a broad concept we do in Yab. Maybe maybe we could stand to go to go deeper per se, but, um, but I'm also not a psychologist or a counselor or a therapist. And so that's also something I want to just like know what my lane is, you know? <laughs> so, so we do have, we do have therapists in our community. Shout out to those amazing people that are, that are listening. So maybe, maybe they'll make their way onto a podcast at some point and we could talk about men's work topics. That could be, that could be interesting. I think the critique, uh, could, could very well be fair. I don't, think we want you know we don't we're, we don't get defensive over anything less than five stars right like it's um i I, th I think if we got all five star reviews then we would have no one giving us feedback about stuff we should consider and think about in the future um and and i especially don't get defensive over um over over feedback because 
I don't make the editorial decisions about what we talk about. So uh, I'd be interested in hearing your, uh, your, your, your take on that review, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I appreciate the comments and the feedback too. If nothing else, it gives us some, some stuff to talk about on these, on these episodes. I've been very mindful of it. Like it's been on my mind for the last few years now to make sure we don't just always talk about um, sexual topics that we always, there's always kind of this in my mind, a rotation system between our three areas that I rattle off at the start of every show, the, the faith component, the homosexuality component and the masculinity component. So, um, so normally when we're not doing these like seven episode series, which aren't often that we do anything like this, it's kind of new. Um, but normally if it's like, if on a roughly three episode rhythm or six episode rhythm, I try to do like, yeah, one or two, um, topics and it doesn't, it's not always perfect. Like sometimes we do do a spate of episodes that are more tilted toward one of those three arenas than others. But, but I will say like, that's something that's on my mind more now than ever before, um, is just always keeping it, keeping a good rotation going of those three. And there's going to always be people that prefer that we talk about sexuality things more. There's going to be people that talk that would wish that we talked more holistically about our masculinity or gender identity more. Uh, and then there's going to be people who wish that we just only focus more on spiritual topics and our faith components. So, so I know you're not going to be able to like please everybody, but that's, that's always kind of my hope is that we can mix it up and keep bouncing around the circle, um, through these three, three main arenas that we, that we, kind of centralize our content with. It started out with just a blog and now we've adapted this podcast and um, and who knows what other content endeavors are in the future. But that's my hope is that as we create, keep creating content that, uh, that those are the three areas that we focus on and we try to always give space for, <laughs> for each of them. So all that being said, today discipleship, I think is gonna be very heavily spiritually focused. So I hope this, that to this reviewer listening, I hope, uh, I hope this is a great episode for you and for anyone else that wants to hear more about kind of the spiritual dimension of our community for all the, <laughs> for all the masturbation, pornography conversations or whatever that, that maybe jump out more when you, when you scroll through the titles on our, on our feed. Um, I hope this is a good, uh, a good discussion up ahead. And before we dive into our episode on discipleship, big, Shout out to our sponsor, Ship Wheels. Ship Wheels, not just wheels, very specifically, Ship Wheels, which is the art for our symbol on discipleship. Shout out one final time to the amazing Wesley Ayers, artofatlas.com, who designed all of our value icons. Um, and it's been really fun to just, uh, I'll, to just talk about them, kind of give the backstory behind them. But our symbol for discipleship is a ship's wheel with three sparrows sitting on the little spokes of the wheel. It's so cute. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and again, going back to our kinship episode, it's this image of not just climbing into a boat together, this kinship boat um, where you are not alone and there's always room for one more person on, on board. Um, it's this, this concept of now taking the ship out and steering it somewhere, going somewhere, setting sail. And so um, so that's kind of the, the image for discipleship. And, and honestly, if I'm going to be honest, when we started our, when we started our community and we had these five values at the time, um, we did that for a year or two. And when, when the thought came around to, do we want to update the values a little bit, update our about page, um, add a couple values, what are we missing? Like this value in particular was the impetus for me personally to enter into this process. Cause it's, it's kind of annoying. Like we had our values, we had our about page. It's kind of annoying to redo it. Like that, that took effort. That took time. That took processing. Um, but I had this nagging feeling and, you know, brought it up in leadership calls at the time several years ago that gosh, like if we're just here, if we're just here to commiserate with one another, if we're just here to like tell all, to share all of our dirty laundry 
and tell all these stories. Like it gets, you get like a little dopamine rush and you get a little high from that of just like being able to vent and, and be able to read these other stories that, that are similar to yours. Um, but it just feels like, man, that, that fire burns out pretty quickly. And if we're not like, if we're not going somewhere, if we're not setting sail, if we're not setting a target, if we're not growing as Jesus followers, like why, why are we here? What are we, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? So, um, discipleship, when we re redid our values from five to seven, this was the one that was like, in my mind, the guaranteed, like that's definitely one that we're adding this, this sense of not just you are not alone, but now let's go, let's go out together and, um, and let's do amazing things and let's follow the Lord as he's leading us to do. So, um, so that is the, the snapshot of discipleship. Um, the description from our website, if you go to yourotherbrothers.com slash values reads this, while we welcome our spiritual kin into the boat, we do not settle for shared commiseration. We spur one another toward continuing growth in Jesus, creating disciple, making disciples as he has charged us in the great commission. Um, and that is our that is our theme scripture for for discipleship. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. Yeah. So let's let's start diving in because what I found really interesting from our Zoom calls. Um, for those that don't know, sometimes we do our Zoom calls with the community before we record a podcast, and sometimes we do them after. It just kind of depends on the schedule. And what's happened often throughout this value series, the way the schedules have have worked for the last few months, is that we've been doing the Zoom calls first, and then we're doing the podcast recordings, which has been interesting because it's giving me things to ponder and things to think about um, after hearing from you know 15, 20, 30 people on these two Zoom calls that we do with our with our people across the pond and then our people on on this side of the on this side of the world as well. So so I think something that came up during those two Zoom calls that we did is just connotations with the word discipleship and I'd love to to hear from you Ryan and and Ben as well but um but a couple people mentioned this and I resonate with it too is that I kind of felt, if I'm just going to be just really honest, I felt disqualified from discipleship for most of my life because I just felt like from the context of leading others or in the context of like discipling, the, like reading that verse and being like, I'm never going to baptize anybody. I'm never going to like blaze a trail and, and there's going to be people behind me. Like that was just not something that I felt I was qualified to do. I'm like, sure, my own self-discipleship leading, growing in, in my walk with Jesus, for sure. I can, I can handle that. I can do that. But um, but I spent most of my life just kind of expecting the church like externally to to give me the discipleship I need or provide that for me without any ownership, responsibility that that I'm also part of said church, that I also have a, a role to play and, a, and, and people to lead and, and contribute toward as well. So like um, it was really interesting to like just kind of gauge that. And I think sexuality reasons are part of that. I think that's it's not the only reason, but I think that's definitely part of it that I felt um, disqualified or not as qualified, certainly as, as other people that could lead. So, um, so that's kind of a little history for me that this is still very new waters for me, even though I've been doing Yab for about eight years now, I think that's a whole other conversation too, about discipleship online versus discipleship, um, IRL. Like there's, there's a difference there too, that I'm still sorting out. But, uh, what about you guys? Like what is, what's been your journey with this word and how it relates to your life or how it intersects with your sexuality if it does? I guess my first and, and most of my experience with discipleship with a capital D is in the college ministry I was a part of uh, when I was uh, when I was in college that this ministry had 
a big emphasis on discipleship between students, like between uh, from from staff members to students, but then also between students. And so kind of the model was this like hierarchy where I have someone discipling me and then I have a few other students that I was supposed to be discipling. And, and so the I, I guess the idea is that through through doing that, we all sort of like uh, guide guide the people below us either either directly or indirectly. And um, you know, kind of kind of looking back, I it it seems a little silly like for me as a nineteen year old to look up at the twenty year old because it would be like the person someone in like the class ahead of you is your discipler and then you're discipling people in the class behind you and so looking back i'm like really okay i was a 19 year old looking up to this 20 year old like they have all the answers and then looking looking at my 18 year old disciples and being like oh i'm 19 and i can you know i can really speak into their lives and pour into them you know whereas the reality is we're all we're all just 18 to 20 year olds who kind of don't have any idea what's going on and i that and and there were like staff members who also you know looking back like okay well this dude was 24 you know <laughs> like did, did that did that really is this is this really as good as discipleship gets i don't i don't think so and so I, I think my most of my experience with sort of formalized discipleship has felt a little silly and um, and and like like it's not really doing a lot in my life to to grow me and, and maybe even could be could could have um, held me back in some ways as I sort of try to try try to latch on to these people who are approximately my age for, uh, for growth and wisdom. I think today, I, I forget at what point in my life this was suggested to me um, and, or by whom, but uh, when, when I look at discipleship in the Bible between like Jesus and his disciples, for example, it, it does seem like a lot of it um, a, a lot of it, it really is about just walking together um, in, in a certain direction. And I, I, I guess in, in sort of this like reverse pendulum swing away from the formalized structure, highly structured uh, discipleship program that I was raised on, I think uh, the other side of that pendulum swing is kind of being in a place where uh, where I'm just like, okay, like who, who am I sort of like walking beside and how can we just be more intentional about mm -hmm. walking together? Yeah. It's funny when you mentioned like being a 19 year old, being discipled by a 20 year old. I, when I was living in California, shout out to SoCal. I know they're listening. Um, I had a California phase y'all for those that don't know, but when I lived in California, uh, I was, this is the first time I ever found a church that I felt like I belonged and connected into. And I was like 25, 26 years old at the time. Um, and my church started a mentoring like program or a mentoring, I don't know, not a, I guess a program, I don't know, a mentoring thing for like a year, basically, um, essentially where like you get a sign, like if you want, you could sign up as a mentor or a mentee, um, the church would match you up, like based on what you're, what you're trying to get out of it or what you, what your personalities are, are like or whatever. So they did their best to like match people 
in whatever <laughs> whatever divine or undivine way, whatever system was that they matched people up with. So so I was at a point where I was like, yeah, I, I, I would love someone to mentor me or to use the language of this episode, to disciple me essentially. Um, and I had this, and I, I knew going into it that my church skewed younger. Like I knew we, we were in a college town and we kind of had younger people, but I mean, there were some older people too. So I don't know. I just naturally thought that by doing this, I was going to get some 40, 50 year old man that was going to be my mentor and disciple me. And what happened was I got a 26, 27 year old guy. And so he was like, similar to you, Ryan, like one or only one or two years older than me. And there was an initial disappointment with that. Like, oh, like, okay, well, We'll see how this goes. And it turned out to be fine. It was, you know, you know, I don't know what my expectations were for what I would get out of it. But if nothing else, having like intentional conversations about faith and I got to share my story with him and he shared a little bit of his story too. And and for what it was, you know, it's it, it was it was it was good to have just that intentionality in that space. Somebody that's defined as as having this role, whatever my feelings on that role were, or what my expectations for it were. But just I don't know, to have something that's like set up that um because i think that's what i've learned through all my church experiences is that it's just hard to um it's just been hard for me to find organically if it's not being set up for me and maybe that's like a point of growth for me is to um, enter into conversations like that we did an episode on mentors back in the day um and that's somewhere <laughs> somewhere out there but maybe that that's a topic worth revisiting in in my life what about you ben what was um, it's so interesting for you being coming from a pastoral background. Like I'd, I'd be curious to hear from former pastor Ben, but then also like fellow believer Ben as well. I, I'd be curious if there's any differing connotations with that word in your life. So my first church experience was in, uh, dare I say denominations. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like throwing denominations under the bus. Uh, so a much more name it, claim it, if I can, if I can phrase it that way, denomination. So one that would definitely be very about, you know, like pray the gay away. And, um, we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, sometimes on Saturday for, uh, for drama practice, um, I don't think Christians need practice for drama, but that's besides the point. And there was this heavy emphasis on discipleship. And apparently what discipleship was, was memorizing scripture, going through books on spiritual growth, um, you know, lather, rinse, repeat, um, getting really, really hyped up during worship time. And you were a good disciple if you brought friends to youth group. And it was all about trying to bring more people in. Because behind every number is a person. So it's not about numbers. It's about people. It's about souls. Souls for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But the thing that was pretty consistent, and this is something that I think the denomination realized as well, was they could do all of these things and they could have all of their giant youth rallies where they would literally pack out, you know, the, the Pontiac Silver Dome, which is no more with, you know, thousands upon thousands of, of kids um, have a lot of hype. And after the hype fade, everything went back to the way things were before. There wasn't necessarily uh, true life change, true heart change. Um, it was a lot more based on emotion than actually getting down to the heart of a person. Um, after high school, I spent a year in a 
discipleship training program. I spent, uh, it was nine months living out near Washington, D.C. I split my time between D.C. and Baltimore. It was a program that is no more called the Mission Urban Discipleship Center. And we worked with the homeless. We did a church plant. And there was a big emphasis on discipleship. And I would say that there was a little bit more real. There were also some elements that were off, but it was a little bit more real in the sense of the leaders tried very much to live out and model what they expected of us. And there were times where we said and did some really stupid stuff. Some of the younger leaders did not respond with grace. And the older leaders responded with grace and modeled that for the younger leaders. And so there was this element there of teaching that next generation of leaders, even as they kind of messed up with us. And we got to see that, you know, being done to them and that we got to participate with that as well. But anytime I've ever thought of a one-on-one discipleship relationship, you know, not a group thing, it's always been with uh, the idea of seeking out an older mentor. And I have not had, I would say, hardly any positive experience with that. I mean, you know, one of the one of the blog posts that I wrote was, you know, when I came out to my senior pastor, um, somebody that I had had trusted to disciple me and encourage me in my in my faith and my sexuality. And I was treated like a person or I was treated like a problem instead of a person. Um, and I would say that that set my trust back in terms of uh, ability to engage well with the church and with church leaders. So, yeah, kind of wrecked my view of, you know, one-on-one discipleship of trusting church leaders for a while. Yeah, that's a really real struggle for, for, for our community, I think, where you know, so much of the way we think about our sexuality and how it, um, how it interplays with our faith. Um, I think that, that, is something that older generations have a hard time can often have a hard time understanding. You know, I, I'm probably painting with two broad strokes here. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think that um, it th- there's there's something that's hard to communicate across the the kind of generational gap of sort of cultural understanding of sexuality. You know, how 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 different age groups think about sexuality. And that makes it that makes it hard to bring bring that vulnerability into like a mentorship or discipleship relationship with someone older. I've I've felt that before for sure. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's definitely a fair uh, some fair brushstrokes to to paint uh, for this from from both sides of it from being. Um, yeah, from being on on our side of things and on on the other side of things as well. I was I was thinking about discipleship because um, both something you said, Ryan, and something you said, Ben, as well. Just like the concept of just go journeying with a group of people and just like having that sense of of movement with a group of people. Because um, whenever I think about discipleship, like I think I like the idea of a one on one sort of relationship, mentor mentee, discipler, disciple or disciple, just probably just disciple is the right term there. Um, I think, I think about that, but I think what feels maybe, um, 
what has felt more attainable is that sense of a group of people. And certainly I have found that within Yab. And I think that's something I praise God for is like a group of people, um, whether it's a, a smaller circle of like the, the leadership team that, that helps me and helps us continue forward or, or certainly other pockets of people within the community. And that's been just a beautiful thing to, to live out. Um, and then recently, like, so six months ago, I think it was now, I think it was about six months ago, I joined this monthly men's group at my church. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. Like it was, it was definitely just not like a standard, a standard little group where you check in with your feelings or maybe you like read a story from scripture and talk about it. Like, like, no, it's basically like another book club. So I'm already doing a book club with Yab, but now I'm doing this other book club with this men's group at my church. And so we read a book every month and then we, we have to write a book report on it. We don't make our book clubbers write a book report. Although now I'm thinking we, we should, we should make them write a book report before they come on Zoom. Um, but we have to write a book report. We talk about it. We have to memorize scripture. There's like four scriptures we have to memorize as well. Um, and, and so there's a lot of work that goes that goes into it. And when I first heard about it, cause I knew of all of that going in and, and there's a dauntingness to it of like, oh gosh, I've got enough on my plate. But then when I say that, it's like, what's the flip side of that? It's like, oh, do, do I really not have enough time in my life to like have intentional conversations about the Lord and about growth and discipleship? Like it was a very convicting moment when I was pondering whether I wanted to do this group six months ago. And I'm so glad I did. Cause, cause we've had all these substantive conversations about like, about money and about accountability and about community. And um, there was, it was so funny, like on in February, it was like the the Valentine's day, it was like the marriage one. So we read that Tim Keller book on marriage. And I don't know that I had much to offer to the conversation, but it was cool to like listen in on this mostly married group uh, as they talked about that. But, um, but it's been, that's been, that was kind of like a, a, a moment where it was like, it was actually good for me. Like, I don't have to always, get like I don't always have to like be a part of something where the topic specifically applies to me like as somebody that wasn't married it was kind of cool to just be a part of a conversation about that and something that was really interesting a takeaway from my last men's group actually was um was a guy that's a little bit older than me but but as we had this conversation on accountability that was like our last topic um just like hearing hearing a straight married man a few years older than me talk about just this this desire to have somebody mentor him someone disciple him um, that there's something in it, like, I think that appeals to a lot of people is just like, we just want somebody a little further along, somebody with more years, more experience, um, somebody that can just affirm what our growth, our journey, our decisions, what we're doing, what we're processing, someone to be a listening ear. Um, like, I just found that very illuminating to, to, to hear somebody else in the group express that desire, because I know I, I feel it too. There's a book that I read several years ago that had come to mind and you don't mind, I'd like to read a quote from it that I think is somewhat relevant. Perhaps it would be better to begin with the question, what does it mean to be Christian together? Such a question turns our attention from behavioral objectives for others to the character and quality of life together in a community of faith. Christian faith implies the need to focus on the mutuality of our engagement with each other, thereby eliminating all categories such as teacher and student, adult, the one who knows, and child, the one who needs to know, socializer and socializee. So the, the author puts forward this premise that within Christian community, it's meant to be people who might know more than others, working alongside people who might know less, but because they're constantly interacting with one another, not just, you know, in church on, on Sunday morning, but 
on a regular doing life together day, day in, day out basis, um, there's constant teaching going, but it's not didactic teaching where you've got a bunch of people sitting down in chairs and one person standing up, you know, at a lectern. It's it's words, it's actions, it's doing things alongside one another. It's how people choose to respond when they're frustrated. And instead of, you know, lashing out in anger, they're responding with love and grace. When the person's like, I'm going to get hit. Oh, oh, what? I'm being loved instead? Wow. I've never had that before. And truly living out the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus in our actions, not just our words. So that's the basic premise behind the book. And the book is called, Will Our Children Have Faith? And it talks about the hallmarks of, of churches that actually manage to raise up that next generation versus those that don't. So anyway. Thank you for sharing that. Although I'll be honest, Ben, disappointed it wasn't a Queen Bee, Brene Brown quote. <laughs> but the episode is still young. We've got time. We've got time to that comes later. In. That comes later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. Uh, I wanted to read this feedback about this sense of limitations. I mentioned that earlier. Um, does, does anyone feel limited in any way from this concept of discipleship as someone that identifies as gay or queer or same-sex attracted? So um, so here's a comment from someone in our community. Thank you, Yabbers, as always, for your feedback. Um, he said this, I've worked in ministry ever since finishing college. During my first 20 plus years of pastoral ministry, I definitely felt my same-sex attraction was a deep, dark secret that called into question my suitability to disciple anyone. It wasn't just that I was afraid of other people judging me. More than that, I judged myself as unworthy. I thought if I can't get hold of my attractions and change them into what everyone says they're supposed to be, how can I disciple others to make their lives more what they're supposed to be? I felt like a fraud. The day I finally came out to myself and to one of my pastoral colleagues was a work day at church. After our conversation, I sat in my car and said to myself, what have I done? What does it mean to be a pastor now that I identify as gay? Can I even be a pastor as a gay man? With all of this in my mind, I walked into the church to attend a staff meeting. One of the other pastors decided to read from Psalm 51, a psalm of confession of sin. But the confession part of the psalm isn't what struck me that day. Instead, these words stood out. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. And my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. In that moment, I felt God was giving me a clear and surprising answer to the questions I'd just been asking. Being gay wasn't a disqualification to ministry as I'd assumed. On the contrary, it was something God wanted to use to give me a heart for others. In the years since, I've discovered that my acceptance of my sexuality has had nothing but a positive impact on my ability to disciple others. It has made my discipleship more authentic, and I've seen people respond to that, even if they don't know why. And because I've known God's grace, I've been better able to help others receive that grace as I've discipled them. My own firsthand powerful encounter with the unconditional, unfathomable love of the Savior has enabled me to point others to that same Savior in Scripture, because I know Him in a way I never knew Him before. And that's just so profound, so beautiful about, you know, we all have our journeys. We all have our journeys with uh, our sexuality and naming it and sifting through it and what we believe about it. But um, but that that comment is, and is just affirmation of what I already know to be true, that God can and does want to use our sexuality as part of our journey um, of not only growing us to be more like him, but growing others around us to look more like him and follow him like that. 
That's so beautiful. What a what an awesome what an awesome testimony right there. Yeah, I definitely have have been in that place and, and kind of through that phase of believing this lie that because of my sexuality, I don't have m- much to offer in terms of ministry. Like I don't have much to give. I have to be stuck in this place of receiving, um, like receiving and 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 trying to sort of pull my life together um, in, in a way that like straight people apparently don't have to, you know. Um, and and so that's something that I I hope our community can. Um, can sort of collectively, continuously, um, you know, rebuke that lie. If we, we have so much to offer. Um, each of us individually has so much to offer in ministry, has so much to give, has so much wisdom to provide to uh, the next generation. I do think in part one of the reasons why we're hesitant at times to, you know, lean into that is because other people have told us that our our sexuality should keep us from discipling, should keep us from those positions of mm-hmm. leadership and taking care of other people, uh, that we have to work that out before we're, we're fit to lead. And that's, that's a symptom, I think, of something larger within a lot of churches. And that is, you could call it uh, behavioral checking, you could call it theological checking um you know i mean jesus gives that that analogy of you know the log in in your own eye before the speck in, in you know in the other person um but very often people want to look at our sexuality and go that's not a log you got a whole freaking tree growing out of your eye bro and until you deal with that no way should you be in ministry no way should you be doing x y and z and I think maybe we internalize that sometimes and, you know, carry some self-shape there. And that's something that maybe needs to be addressed within the church yet again, that maybe part of walking with uh, sexual minorities is saying, you know what, I don't understand everything that you're going through. I can't step into your shoes and look through your eyes and understand what temptation looks like for you. But I'm going to trust that if you say that this situation doesn't put you into danger of sinning, that you're being honest. And I'm going to go ahead and give you stewardship of that rather than try and micromanage all of your decisions, all of your choices and everything else that you do. That's empowering. That's liberating rather than constraining. Yeah. And as, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about who's listening right now, because I know we, we hear from people all over the place, all over the world, and then also all generations, you know. And so I know there are people as young as I mean, maybe even younger, younger than 18. We might have some teenagers listening. We might have I mean, I know we certainly have plenty of millennials and Gen Xers listening. Boomers are out there, too. Um and I think we're all we're always in this different place of like needing more than we can give. Like and that's not a bad place to be like we're just going to naturally be in places where we need to receive, like we don't have much to give and we need to receive and that's totally fine. But then, but then the flip side of that is too, that I think, you know, the great commission is still the great commission. It's still there. Um, and it's something that I just have felt perpetually as, as Yab continues to grow. And as we continue down certain, and as I get older and older, I just turned 36 y'all. Um, I've joined Ryan in the 36 club as we, <laughs> as we have this episode. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's a great age. I love, I love the whole day I've been in it already. Um, you know, it's just like, it's more on my mind, I think, than it's ever been. It's like, okay, like, yeah, my 
receiving and having someone pour into me and that that's really important but um but the older i get there is that concept of like yeah am i am i living out those that charge that jesus left us um and and where where could i take a step into that direction and this bridges into the next question really well um as we talk about how do you actively practice discipleship with others um, or where have you felt convicted to um and this is where this is where affirmation circle this is where i get to affirm ryan Berger because ryan um, the first podcast you were ever on, which is sadly scrapped from the records, no one can listen to it. Um, but you, be, you were a guest on the Yobcast talking about support groups. It was like, we didn't know what to call it, support mm-hmm. groups or something. Mm-hmm. I think that was the title. Um, cause we, you had just joined a few months ago and we we're like, who is this guy with the amazing hair in this, in this Raleigh city? And he's leading a group uh, at the time, uh, for other sexual minor- minority men, men, like for non-straight men. And I was very intrigued by you and like what you're doing over there because, cause when I moved to Asheville, you know, Yab had been going for not even a year, I think, when I moved to Asheville. Um, and those first, that first year or two of living in Asheville, it was on my mind. Like, yeah, this Yab thing is, is cool. It's getting traction. More people are joining. Love all the online, uh, connection that can happen online. Um, and kind of just this growing desire to like, like how can that be translated to like a church environment, to a local, to a community, to a city, to a region? Like how can that be lived out kind of more, more face-to-face versus, versus screen-to-screen, um, which can only accomplish so much. And it was really like hearing about you and you were on that episode and you talked about your group a little bit and your journey with leading this ministry and conversations you had with your church leadership and everything. And um, and it's like, there's no doubt in my mind that if I hadn't have met you or I hadn't like seen somebody else doing it, uh, maybe I would have met somebody else at some point, but but Ryan's directly responsible. I'm just gonna say it now for um, for me, like deciding to go to my church and talk about a group here in Asheville that I started a couple years ago, and and we've been going for three years now, and and it's waxed and waned, just like I'm sure Ryan can attest his own group doing waxing and waning, and and so it's been interesting to just see the different seasons of it as people come, people go, and um, but just to have an active like thing on the calendar to to like gather people together. Um, and to, to, to talk about sexuality issues, but to talk about faith issues as well and where the intersection of those two things are. Um, like it's just been such a, such a beautiful process. And so I just wanted to, to let you know, Ryan, if you didn't already that, um, that yeah, you've just had such a, such a role to play in the, the discipleship that, that I'm experiencing here, here in the jewel. Thanks, Tom. That's so good to hear. Uh, you know, as as I get older, as I'm in the ripe old age of 36, I uh, I, I feel more and more like it's kind of hubris of me to to look at some I don't know 25 year old and be like, okay, uh, come along with me, be my disciple, follow me, do what I do, and I'm going to show you how to follow Jesus. Right, because a I'm I'm not that good at it myself, uh, and b even if I was, like, who, wait, who, whose disciple are we trying to make? You know, like I I'm 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 trying to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus, and I should be like kind of pointing other people to be disciples of Jesus alongside me. Um, and I think maybe, you know, it's, it's sort of inescapable that disciple means student, you know? Um, and so as, as I'm kind of in this place of like a little disillusion with structured discipleship 
And I, I still can't just be like, oh, yeah, we're all just going to walk together in the same direction. We, we, we still have to have like a clear idea of like, no, we're students, we're followers, we're learning from somebody. Um, but, I, but I think that someone is, is Jesus. Like we're all sort of like we, we are all walking together and we are disciples. We all are learning uh, together. And, and I think uh, for, for anyone listening who's just not sure, like, can I really disciple someone? Can I really mentor someone? I think the answer is, well, I, what, what, what you can definitely do is, um, is be a follower of Jesus, be a disciple of Jesus alongside, uh, alongside the rest of us. Um, and, and in that sense, we are all sort of like being disciples together. Yeah. I was just going to say Ben, before we go to you that, um, like I forget, I don't know who popularized it, if it was from a song or from like a sermon or what, but but this line in my head is coming out. I listen to a lot of like Christian radio sometimes. There's, some, there's a line in my head about we need more followers, less leaders, more followers in the sense that like just Ryan was saying, like if we could just all become better at following Jesus, I think there is going to be kind of a natural leadership component that develops through that. But it's like focusing on the following, like are we following Jesus first and and then don't worry about like all the structural components of like leading a group of people behind you. It's like, um, like, I don't know. I'd like to think that's kind of putting the cart before the horse, putting the horse before the cart. I had a similar, like, is it the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest? It's one of those. I reverse my, my images sometimes. So y'all know what I'm saying, hopefully. <laughs> all right, Ben, let's go. Let's go to you. <laughs> what were you going to say? It would be interesting to see how this would work. But within our own community, we, we talked about how do we do discipleship more? It's been one of the questions. Um, and I ran across something in one of my classes that I actually kind of wonder if it wouldn't be a way to do this even across distances. Um, it would seem awkward at first, but I, I'm actually starting to to use it in some of my in some of my interactions with people here, albeit uh, not as structured as it would maybe need to be. Um, the concept of the here and now, that whatever your interactions are with people in this exact moment, you're actually replaying interactions that you've had with other people, past other stuff that's happened during the day. The reason I'm mad at you right now, I'm not actually mad at you. I'm mad because of something that happened earlier today. So looking for those teachable moments and engaging, actually stopping when we see those and going, okay, you're acting like this. What's really going on here? Um, and the way that that could actually work in terms of like a group and I've talked before about the the prayer of examine, which is, you know, at the end of the day where you ask God, uh, what were opportunities that I missed today to glorify you? Things that I could have done better. And we look back and part of that is looking at, OK, what was my attitude? What were my actions? Bringing those before a group of other people and saying, hey, here's what happened today. And I realized I did this and this and this and being able with a group of other people to even look at one or two of those things. and them asking, okay, is that action, is that really what was going on or was it something else? Diving into conversation about head and heart motives and pointing one another back to Jesus, building one another up spiritually, addressing uh, 
some of the stuff that's, you know, down in our hearts that maybe we need to unroot. So, yeah, I'm background processing a lot of different material from a lot of different places, but I'm actually getting really excited um, at this like intersection of former career, current career, and what this could look like lived out. So it's cool. He's smiling so widely, everybody. You can't tell, but there is a gleaming smile from Ben just now. Um, and yeah, this whole concept of like the exam and, and and like pondering, looking back on our days, wondering why we did what we did or just recounting where we fell short or what we did great. Like a lot of that, it just made me think about our conversations about the Enneagram and about like Strengths Finder and Myers-Briggs. Like we talk about that pretty frequently in our communities, certainly off, off the podcast, but it makes its way onto the podcast too. But I think that ties into it. You know, it gets nerdy and it gets a little silly sometimes when we talk about, I mean, we did this big summer long series last year about the Enneagram going and talking to all the different types. But I don't know, just like this whole focus on personal growth, this this focus on self-awareness, one like consciously considering why you do the things that you do and what you're motivated by, um, which I think so many, I'm just going to call out men in general, paint the broad brush stroke that Ryan did earlier. Like, I just think so many men have no idea why they are the way that they are, what they're doing or behaving the way that they're behaving. And and I think that's such a hallmark of our community that I'm so proud of is that I think there's such a desire for personal growth and self-awareness. And, and, and that can be apart from Jesus and that can be apart from Christianity. But as believers, like it's to be able to bring that into our faith and into our journeys, like um, I think is a beautiful, beautiful little, little subsection of discipleship and how we're all learning from one another and how we're following Jesus in our separate, but but different, separate, but the same ways as well. I'm just thinking about this conversation Jesus has with the disciples. And he says, you know, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist. Some say the prophet Elijah. Yeah, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus says, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And, you know, it's this big moment. And then a couple of sentences later, um, you know, Jesus talks about how he's going to, you know, be handed over to the Jews to be crucified. And then Peter starts to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you've got the things of man on your mind, not the things of God. So it goes from this really awesome teachable moment with the disciples where they're recognizing who Jesus actually is to Jesus calling Peter Satan and recognizing that, like, the way discipleship happened around Jesus was. Yeah, whatever happened in the moment with them, some of them were, you know, in better places than others. Some of them were getting it more than others. But yeah, uh, Peter would later deny Jesus three times. And then even after Peter was restored at the end of the book of John, he's like looking over at John. He's like, hey, hey, Jesus, you said that I'm going to, you know, go and die for you. But what about John? And Jesus's response was, what does it matter to you whether John lives or dies? You follow me. So this idea that we're going to be constantly walking alongside people that are further along than us in some ways, further behind us and others. And Jesus is there in those moments. And part of being a disciple of Jesus is looking like Jesus. So look for these moments, enter into them with one another, and just go to town on bringing these things to the surface, encouraging one another, and oof, man, good stuff. 
Yeah, you defined it really well. I don't know if we ever defined discipleship at the start, but just looking more like Jesus, I think that's a great, just succinct way to put it. Like, how are we looking more like Jesus as we go? Um, I wanted to read this feedback from how somebody in our community is practicing discipleship. He said this, in order to practice discipleship, which is defined as the process of training people incrementally in some discipline or way of life, I first believe I should have permission to do so, which comes through building rapport and relationship, earning trust and a space to speak into a person's life. I tend to take a person's lead through cues as to whether or not they are ready and open to me supporting their incremental training in Jesus's way of life. When and if someone is open to me being a part of their discipleship process, I seek to keep listening as a top priority with lots of validation of their experience and the place where they are at in their process. The more active training part typically comes through questions intended to encourage them to think about their situation concern from a different angle, identifying where, may, where they may be stuck and what they may need to move forward in their growth. My general approach in discipleship comes from Jesus's self-identified mission in Luke 4, 17 through 21, which is to share the good news of his love and redemption with people, to proclaim liberty and help people toward freedom from captivity, blindness, and oppression, and to declare and demonstrate God's favor upon people. Another critical aspect of discipleship is being a disciple. I have several specific men who I have given permission to speak into my life and offer feedback, training, truth, etc., in order to support my continued growth and healing. I talk with a couple of these men one to three times per week, while others I check in on with more of a monthly basis. Something I want to lean into more with discipleship is exploring the person and character of Jesus and inviting them to encourage and challenge me in specific ways toward becoming more like Jesus in how I live. That is such a beautiful comment that is also like super convicting because <laughs> Because I love that. I love, I'm so happy for this person, like having that like intentionality, like you put numbers to it, um, the frequency and the number of people. And, um, and I know that that's just something in my life that is lacking and that I need more of just kind of a more, um, like that was actually something at the men's group I attended last week is like, who do you have that's that you've given permission to, to like call you out on, on things. And that's a scary place to be to like say, okay, I'm opening myself up to criticism. Um, and feedback and you know all with the intention of course to to support you and encourage you of course it's not just like to to find your flaws and point them out but um that's like a, it's, it's a dangerous place to be but it's a place i want to find you know i don't know i don't know how you guys feel about that if you have that in your life or if you want that even or or what you feel as you as you hear that comment but i know it it stirs up it stirs up a lot in me having people that have earned the right to to step in and call me on stuff is huge and i've got a, a few people like that in my life um there's a couple of pastors that i went to to seminary with that i still do pretty regular chats with we'll very rarely do a call but it's usually chats checking in with one another at least once a week and yeah telling where we're at what are our highs what are our lows and Every once in a while, yeah, getting getting called out for stupidity, but also getting encouraged and built up for good things as well. So there was a person that I was discipling, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. And this is back when we were doing foster care. And one of the kids did something. And it was just, it was a childhood curiosity thing. They didn't intend for what they did to cause the amount of angst that it did. And it was one of a series of things that had happened that day. And I snapped at one of the kids. 
and this person who I had ostensibly been pouring into and discipling had a look on their face and I, I asked what's up and they said, um, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? And they pulled me aside and, and said, did you have to yell there? Because she was terrified of you and she didn't mean to do anything. Sometimes the person that's in the Raider, and I put air quotes around that relationship, is going to be the one that needs to get called out. Sometimes it's the one who's in the lesser relationship who actually has to step up and go, you were wrong here. And in this instance, that particular person had their own stuff with people in positions of authority that had abused their power. So it was something they were very aware of. And I would say that as a result of them calling me out, I was much more aware of tones that I used, much more aware of being patient with the kids. I was a better, I was a better dad for them calling me out on it. So regardless of what position somebody is in, whether that's, you know, as the disciple were or the disciple e, whatever, be humble. Um you're not going to have all the answers, nor is the person mentoring you going to have all the answers. Uh, be willing to learn from each other back and forth. Be willing to admit when you are wrong. And I think part of that as well is having the kind of community that when someone is wrong, it's not about tearing the person apart for them being wrong. It's about building them up to look more like Jesus and restoring them and walking alongside them. And that's what I, that's what I got to experience. That was awesome. Discipleship is simply becoming a disciple. In Christian terms, it means looking more like Jesus. I like how Dallas Willard put it, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. For most of my life, sadly, <laughs> I've always treated discipleship as a personal, private matter. What time I wake up, how long I spend in the Bible, how many times a day I pray, whether I fast here and there, certainly going to church on a regular basis, and otherwise checking all those boxes, whether anyone sees them or not. And more often than not, not. It's only been in these years of co-founding your other brothers and finding intentional conversations with people all around the world that I've started to see discipleship through a whole new lens. Because where I was once isolated and cut off from my peers, especially my male peers. I can no longer say that's the case. I'll be honest, it's felt very Jesus-y in the sense that he found 12 men to start following him. And they all learned together what it meant to follow Jesus. I feel the same way now about our community, 12 times 12 times 12, after nearly a decade of finding one another, learning each other's stories and finding the commonality of a Jesus, a brother that we follow. 
And part of the journey was recognizing that a lot of men in this Yab community have their wounds with churches, with families, with small groups and intentional spiritual arenas. It made sense for the first couple of years of our existence for there to be a lot of venting, a lot of frustration with the church, a lot of anger and pent up emotions. And I'm so glad that our blog, our podcast, our Zoom calls, our social media places to connect were opportunities for people to let those emotions out, for there to be a safe place to field those emotions. And yet I knew we couldn't stay there. I'm reminded of the time that Jesus went to a hilltop overlooking Jerusalem and cried for his people, wanted to gather them together like a hen gathers her chicks. And how Jesus didn't stay there either, went down into the city, rode on a donkey, went to a cross, followed the Father wherever the Father wanted him to go. I've realized and I'm still realizing that the magic of Yab isn't you are not alone. It's you have a role to play, a story to contribute. It's not about what the church has or hasn't done for you. You are the church. We are the church. And these Zoom calls, these retreats, these gatherings that we partake in, they bless me more and more year after year. The more empowered we grow in this belief that we are the church, that we have something to offer, a chapter to contribute to the great story of our faith, it's becoming more and more real. We're starting groups in our cities and we're praying with one another on calls and inviting others into the fold telling them about this place, this community, where we've been able to not just figure out more of our stories and our sexualities, but been able to genuinely affirm and bless one another. And it's crazy, after eight years now of sailing, I can look back and see the shore so far away now from where we started, and we're still sailing. As 90s kids, we all heard that phrase, what would Jesus do? Many of us wore the bracelet. As I ponder that phrase, I go back to the Willard quote about what would Jesus do if he were you? And I wonder how this reframing would change all of our walks with the Lord today. Where are our Jerusalems, our hilltops, our city streets and our crosses? Where is the Father leading us and what would Jesus do in our place? And so, fellow sparrows, despite your wounds and your insecurities coursing through your blood, may you recognize this truth that Jesus's blood replaces your own. It is he who lives in you, he whom the Father sees. And this call to be more like Jesus is just as much for you as it is for those on stage or in the pews beside you. For the young and the old, the single and the married, it is a charge for the so-called qualified and particularly for the unqualified. And so may we treat each day, every sacred morning, an opportunity to become more like Christ. 
And in so doing, in so following his example, may others follow ours, the people around us, people within this community and people beyond. Followings upon followings, leads upon leads, a collective of brothers and sisters and spiritual siblings the world over, stepping with one another as we set sail for more of this Jesus. This Jesus who has forever altered our course from any other bearing. Indeed, this is a great adventure, an epic journey, and this story only continues from here. So let's go. Let's grow. Never again alone. Together in this ship, following the star of our hope, humbling ourselves day by day, taking joy in this journey, embracing a spirit of vulnerability and integrity, welcoming others into the fold and becoming more like Jesus a little more every day. I'll be honest, discipleship isn't a topic that I just get really excited to talk about, but I still feel like we had a really good conversation and, and got me thinking about some new some new applications uh, for, for myself personally, but also for our community. It was such an enthralling conversation that we lost one of our members. <laughs> ben, ben is no longer <laughs> with us. He, he couldn't take it anymore. He had to sign off. Ben had to get to some things, but Ryan and I are, are finishing this out with, with everybody. And I, I loved it. You know, I love this whole series, just getting to... Um, peel the layers back a little bit on and who we are and just describing all of these different qualities of who we are talking about retreats along the way um, because those are definitely uh, real world applications of these values I think when we gather for those retreats but then from the zoom calls that we have with the community to our discord postings and the blogs and the podcasts, everything that makes up your other brothers what it is like it's been fun to to do all this and discipleship is is such a cool value to end on because it kind of it remains, it's, it's like a dot, dot, dot of like, okay, now what happens, what happens next? Where, where do we go from here? And um, it seems like every year Yab is around, we, we add on something, we're doing something different every year. And so it's, you know, have some ideas of what might happen this year, but we'll see what happens. And I'm excited to, to keep journeying alongside all you, all you listening and everyone involved in our community. If you have any thoughts on discipleship, and I know you do, please go to our podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 107 post on discipleship and tell us, what do you feel? What do you feel when you hear that word discipleship? What do you feel about the the concept? How do you practice it? Um, How do you grow in discipleship? And then how do do you help others grow around you? I would love to hear uh, whatever stories, whatever experiences, whatever people come to mind. And um, you can also call as well as aforementioned if you would prefer to do it that way. Thanks to Ship Wheels for steering this episode in all the right ways. We, we set a course, we stuck with it. Didn't have as many nautical metaphors as I was hoping for throughout the episode, but we we stacked them in there at the beginning, right? <laughs> we, we tried, you know, it's, it's, I gotta admit, it's not my strong suit, um, but at least we did, at least our ship didn't sink. Mm-hmm. Does that does that work? <laughs> sure. Our ship stayed afloat. Um, 
Yeah, all I the only thing that comes to mind now is is port and starboard. Do you know the difference, Ryan, between port and starboard? <laughs> One is <laughs> on the, the left boat. side of the ship, the other is the right <laughs> yes. side of the ship. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which is which. Yeah, I was told that if you just remember that port is four letters and left is four letters, then you'll then you're set. I don't know if this information will ever be useful to you if you're ever on Jeopardy or I don't know whatever the situation would would want. or if you're on a ship in the middle of a storm and someone yells to the port side, then you would know maybe what to do. But there you go. Take that take that for what it's worth. That's you know, that's my that's my last discipling words for all of our would-be sailors out there. Just know port is left. <laughs> Starboard, starboard is right. This is fun. I, you know, people have been asking what's happening now. Like, what do you do after you do the seven values? And the honest answer is, I have no idea. I have no idea what the next topic is going to be. I do know this. I do know the podcast, or at least the Yobcast, anyway, is going to take a little break to reset. I have, I mean, it's stockpiling like crazy. I have all this bonus footage for those that have heard of this. This alternate show that we do, the Yabalog. Um, I have so much bonus footage for the Yabalog, and so I know I need to like sift through that and I need to get that out of my life. In, and this is a very positive connotation. It needs to get out of my life though. Um, so I know some Yabalog episodes are coming, which are exclusive to our patrons. If you wanna become a patron on Patreon, just check us out, patreon.com slash your other bros. There'll be some, there'll be at least two or three, maybe even more, I don't know, but there'll be at least a couple Yabalog episodes coming in the weeks ahead. We'll probably do, I think I'll do some convo casts, you know, keep that show going to just keep some content going. But, um, but I don't know, we'll be back in several weeks, maybe a couple months for, the return of the Yobcast. I have an idea of where we could go, but you know nothing is solidified yet. So stay tuned. We'll be back. We always we always come back. Um, but and in, in the meantime, there'll be plenty plenty of audio content to uh, to keep you busy. Or, or maybe maybe this is just a time for people to catch up. If you fell behind on all the values and you're only on humility, like maybe this gives them the time to <laughs> to catch up on all of them. But thanks for all the Yobbers feedback. We love you. Thank you for riding on this journey with us. Can't wait to see where we set sail next. Um, I'm gonna say goodbye for Ben and for all your other brothers. This is Tom. And this is Ryan. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, friends. All right, goodbye everyone. Thanks for listening to your other brothers podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, PO Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash your other bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.